0: That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: Turn on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, or any other major U.S. news network, and you'll hear a lot of talk about the 2024 presidential election. Let's
2: talk 2024. 2024 race. 2024. 2024. But
1: there are actually several important races to keep an eye on this year, And one in particular is fast approaching.
2: Early voting is underway in the high-stakes race for the Wisconsin Supreme Court.
1: Voters in Wisconsin will head to the polls on April 4th to determine who will replace Justice Patience Roggensack on the state Supreme Court.
2: Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protasewicz, the liberal candidate, sparred on a debate stage here this week with former Supreme Court Justice Daniel Kelly.
1: It's down to the final two, a liberal and a conservative, and the outcome will determine majority control of the court for at least the next two years. It is expected to be the most expensive election of its kind in history. So what's at stake here? I'm Joni Grieve, in for Jonathan Friedland, and this is Politics Weekly America.
0: The weather in Wisconsin from like March to May is really unpredictable, and it's actually been fine, except last Saturday there was a huge snowstorm. And um...
1: Alice Herman is a Guardian US contributor covering all things in the Midwest. She has been reporting on the state of play in the Wisconsin race with our colleague, democracy correspondent Sam Levine.
0: Wisconsin is a swing state. In the 2022 midterm elections, Democrats won one of the two biggest races for governor and Republicans won the other one, which was for a Senate seat. And then similarly in 2022 16 the presidential election went to trump by a very very small margin and then in 2020 the state went for biden so it is like absolutely a purple state a swing state and i think that's one of the reasons that this election has gotten so much national scrutiny and drawn huge campaign contributions from around the country Sam, in your
1: reporting, people have told you that this race is, quote, the most important election in the country before November 2024. So can you tell us exactly what's being decided on April 4th and why people think this race is so crucial?
2: Well, there's a unique set of factors that are coming together to make this an incredibly important election. It's sort of a once in a generation set of circumstances. First is the simplest. Control for the Wisconsin Supreme Court is up for grabs. There are seven members on the court. Conservatives have a four to three majority. And one of the conservative justices is retiring. So whoever wins the seat has control of the court. The second thing is, is that this court in the very near future is going to determine the future of abortion in Wisconsin. There's an abortion ban on the books that dates to 1849, and that ban is being challenged in court, and it's ultimately going to wind up before the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So whoever has the majority as a result of this election is going to decide the legality of that abortion ban. The third reason is that this court is going to weigh in very likely ahead of the 2024 election on a range of disputes over election laws, voting laws. This happened in 2020, Donald Trump also tried to bring a lawsuit to overturn the election results in Wisconsin, and it was very narrowly turned away by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So that's only elevating the stakes.
1: So, Sam, tell us a little bit about the candidates. On the liberal side, we have Janet Protasewicz, a Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge. And on the conservative side, there's Dan Kelly, a former state Supreme Court judge who actually lost his seat back in 2020. Let's start off with Kelly. What was his record when he was on the bench last time? And what are the attack lines we've seen against him this time around?
2: Well, Dan Kelly was appointed by former Governor Scott Walker. And when he was on the bench, he was seen as a pretty solid conservative vote. Uh, it involves understanding that everyone has political beliefs, but you need to set those
1: aside and you need to have a methodology so that when you analyze cases and write opinions, that it squeezes out all personal views and
2: personal politics. He, you know, is not seen as someone who is particularly friendly to abortion rights. I think he's been endorsed by many anti-abortion groups. Uh, He is not friendly to LGBTQ causes. And after he left the bench in 2020, he went to work for the state Republican Party. The party hired him um, as a special counsel. One thing that came out in the January 6 investigations in Congress is that A former top official in the Wisconsin Republican Party said that they actually consulted with Dan Kelly on their fake elector scheme. This was the scheme that was underway in Wisconsin and many other states to send a slate of fake electors uh, to Washington as part of the effort to overturn Joe Biden's victory there.
1: Alice, I'm going to go to you to tell us more about Janet Protosewitz, because although Kelly hasn't yet been available to talk to The Guardian, you did get some time with Protosewitz. Why did she want to enter this race and what issues is she running on?
0: And it took a lot of time and thought
1: because everything goes on the back burner for your life. I mean, everything.
0: No, so in our conversation Protesewitz talked a lot about her concern for democracy in Wisconsin and in the US broadly. You know there are all sorts of issues that we all care about. All the issues that we care about are going to come in front of this court, but primarily, primarily our democracy is on the line. Based on our conversation, that struck me as kind of the main reason that she wanted to run her campaign has focused pretty heavily on on questions of democracy but also on gerrymandering Wisconsin's skewed electoral maps and abortion. She has been very open about her personal support for abortion rights, although she has been careful not to talk about how she would rule in the event that the abortion ban comes before her in the Supreme Court. I mean, I think that there are so many issues that I'd be hard pressed to say that it's a referendum an abortion, but it's certainly an issue that concerns people. But that being said, you know, groups on both sides of the abortion fight have weighed in with, you know, individuals and organizations that support abortion rights, also supporting Proto-Sewitz and anti abortion rights groups supporting Kelly. So those were kind of the main issues that she highlighted in our conversation. Protasewicz has
1: suggested that a victory by Dan Kelly would be really harmful for democracy. And she's convinced that another case will come to the Wisconsin Supreme Court questioning the validity of the election in 2024. Why does she think that? And how does she think that case might play out?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, she basically pointed to the fact that Wisconsin's a battleground state. We're a purple state. We have really close elections. I think it's highly likely, probably more than highly likely that the results of the 2024 presidential election are going to come in front of our Supreme Court. And said, you know, there was a challenge in 2020, and why would that not happen again? And, and she did seem quite convinced that that this would be presented before the Supreme Court in 2024.
1: And Alice, you also spoke to voters in Wisconsin. From talking to people at gas stations, bars, and bowling alleys, what are the big issues driving their voting decisions right now?
0: People talked a lot about abortion. That was probably the top issue that people I spoke with cited as, as their primary concern in this election.
1: I'm a believer in individual rights. And, and uh, um, regardless of my views on abortion, I don't think it's the government's view
2: to, to or government's place. Uh, so we are pro,
0: against abortion, pro-life?
2: Yeah, um, the fact that that actually has nothing to do with the judicial system. That's that's a state law. Uh,
0: me and my baby having a new baby right now, but I don't want no abortions. Yeah, they that, should be like, they that should be, should be an option, though. That shouldn't nobody should stop that for nobody because you don't know what nobody going through. If you want to know whether Wisconsin sort of reflects the national mood, I think that is the case. Just having spoken to a lot of people on the ground, that's a top issue Several voters I spoke with said it was the only issue they were paying attention to and that it was the reason that, that they were going to get out to vote. It It's that important. Voters also talked about concerns about elections and the way elections are conducted and voting rights. But interestingly, and this wasn't necessarily something that played out quite as much in national coverage, people talked about crime. Um, yeah. ha- have you all been affected? Oh yeah, everyone's been affected. Car thefts. Uh stealing and stuff uh you know oak creek's pretty good so far but yeah, you know but it's just a if matter you go of into time Milwaukee, crime like was crime was a huge issue for people on both sides of the race and i think that has to do with the fact that so much of the focus of both campaigns through their ad campaigns has um has focused on crime even though it's it's not It's not clear exactly how the Supreme Court would address issues of community safety. That was something that was really striking for me. But again, abortion was probably the top issue that that came up in conversations that I had with voters.
1: And I think that might explain, at least in part, why there's so much money involved with this campaign. Sam, I believe it's expected to break all records for this kind of election. Is that correct?
2: Well, Joni, it actually already has broken all the records. There's just been a staggering amount of money that's been spent on this race. Just to give you an idea, the previous record for spending on a state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin was $10 million, and that was set pretty recently in 2020. Spending in this race is around $30 million, just a staggering amount of money for a state Supreme Court race that typically doesn't attract this kind of funding or attention. And experts that I've been speaking with have just said it's staggering that this really could signal a new era for massive spending on these kinds of races.
1: And I'm also fascinated by who is funding this election, because a lot of it centers on one very influential family in Wisconsin, where different members of the family are actually picking opposite sides in the race. Can you explain that to us, Sam?
2: It's the Uline family, and they're best known as being uh, conservative Republican Party mega donors. And they are well known on the national scene. But in this race in Wisconsin, two members of the family, Richard and Elizabeth, have set up a pack that they're using basically to become the biggest donors to Kelly's campaign. Uh, The pack is called Fair Courts America. Um, But on the other side, one of their cousins, Lynn Bradley, is donating heavily in favor of Protusiewicz. She's maxed out her donations to the Pro to saywitz campaign and she's also donating heavily to a PAC that is supporting Protosewitz. So you have this split in this, you know, mega rich family in Wisconsin that's just putting a ton of money into this race.
1: And I want to make sure that we talk about the role of election deniers in this race and Alice, you wrote a piece on this very topic. We know that in 2020, the Wisconsin Supreme Court rejected an effort by Trump allies to challenge the election result, and that decision was made with just a one-vote margin. Alice, if Trump ends up winning the Republican nomination next year, his allies might be looking to Wisconsin for help again. Isn't that right?
0: Without speculating about what's going to happen in 2024, i can say very confidently that the right wing, and in particular groups and individuals who denied the results of the 2020 election, have taken a really strong interest in this race. And that's sort of expressed in two ways. One, you have donations that have come directly to the Kelly campaign, and then you also have independent expenditures that are coming in from outside groups. So for example, like on the side of just the endorsements and sort of vocal support that Kelly has gotten from election deniers, you have Charlie Kirk who runs TPUSA or founded TPUSA and he bra- who bragged about sending pro- protesters to the Capitol on January 6th. And he's basically said, you know, Kelly's our guy. So yeah, the election denying segment of the Republican Party is absolutely rallying in support of Daniel Kelly and, you know, how that would, play out in 2024 is I'm not going to speculate about, but I think it's that it's really important that we pay attention to to that aspect of the race. So with those
1: high stakes in mind, Sam, does it feel like Democrats are taking this race much more seriously than they might have in the past?
2: I think there's no question they are dedicating tremendous financial resources, organizing, raising awareness in a way that we just haven't seen in the past. And I think there are two key moments you can point to that explain why that is for Democrats. Two key moments from Wisconsin. One is in 2019 there was a state supreme court race that Democrats lost and they were heavily criticized after that race for not investing the re- the resources that they should have at the time it was seen as a winnable race and then going all the way back to 2010 and 2011 Republicans took complete control of the Wisconsin legislature by focusing on down ballot races races for the state house for the state senate and because of that were able to draw districts that cemented their majority for the next decade and Democrats didn't invest heavily enough to match, you know, the Republican attention at that level. So now in 2023, we're seeing the Democratic counterpunch to that. They've sort of caught up to Republicans and clearly understand the value of these races like state Supreme Court and the consequences that they can have for politics in Wisconsin and politics across the United States. I think a Kelly defeat could significantly change the dynamics of Wisconsin politics. Right now, Republicans control the state legislature. They're sort of teetering on the verge of a super majority. And there's also a Democratic governor in the state. So they, the Republican state legislature and the Democratic governor have just been at odds. And there's been sort of a an impasse and an inability to really get anything done. If Kelly loses and Protosawicz wins, I think there would be a quick lawsuit to challenge the maps for the state legislature, and that could really result in more Democratic representation in the Wisconsin state legislature. I'm not sure if it would result in a Democratic majority, that might be a stretch, but it would result in a more balanced uh, legislature that reflects the population of Wisconsin.
1: Now, we always like to ask a what else question on our podcast. And Sam, I'm going to stick with you on this because I know you've been following the many twists and turns of the defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News. Dominion's one point six billion dollar defamation suit against Fox News has showed us the network's panic in the weeks following Donald Trump's twenty twenty election loss. Can you just give us a quick update on the latest from that legal battle?
2: This lawsuit is headed towards a trial set to begin in the middle of April. It's sort of in the final stages of the pretrial phase. And the central issue in this trial between Dominion and Fox is whether Fox knowingly broadcast false claims about Dominion voting equipment as Donald Trump and allies were trying to overturn The 2020 election. And Dominion, in what is very unusual for a defamation case, has been able to obtain reams of evidence from Fox showing that its hosts, producers, top executives at the network all knew that what the network was saying was false, but decided to broadcast it anyway. I think it's fair to describe it as A blockbuster trial, Dominion has said that it wants to call top Fox executives, including Rupert Murdoch, and wants to call top Fox hosts like Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, who would all, you know, be could potentially be put on the stand and asked to answer very uncomfortable questions about what was going on at Fox uh, in the aftermath of the 2020 election.
1: Sam Levine and Alice Herman, thanks so much for joining me on Politics Weekly America.
2: Thank you, Johnny.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Before I go, I just want to let you know about a report released this week, which looks into the founding of The Guardian in 1821 by John Edward Taylor and his financial backers. The goal was to see if there were any links between The Guardian's founders and transatlantic slavery. You can read more about that And follow The Guardian's full exploration of the findings on our website. Jonathan Friedland will be back with you next week when, to mark 25 years since the signing of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, he'll speak to Irish-American journalist Neil O'Dowd. Neil will share the extraordinary story of how he built a secret channel between President Bill Clinton and the Irish Republican movement in the 1990s. But for now, it's goodbye. The producer is Danielle Stevens, and the executive producer is Maz Ebtahaj. I'm Joni Grieve. Thanks, as always, for listening.
0: This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?